Hello swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. For this week's podcast, I had a really interesting chat to three-time Olympic medalist from the Beijing Olympics, Andrew Lauderstein. Not only is Andrew a successful swimmer, he's a successful businessman as well, as co-owner of Engine Swimwear. He's kicking goals every which way. And at 34, Andrew recently hopped back in the water after 10 years out of competition to swim at the Australian Nationals, coming 12th in the 50 freestyle, beating current Olympians. How did he do that? Listen in now to find out all about it. Hi, Andrew. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Where are you bunkered down in lockdown? Um, I'm actually lucky enough to be still going into work. Um, so I'm at Engine um, in Mordialic today. So lockdown Melbourne, but um, luckily I'm a required worker. We've got um, a warehouse logistics and management stuff. So I'm able to come in and keep a bit of a regular routine. Oh, that's awesome. Are you enjoying the Olympics? I'm uh, loving it. Yeah. yeah. So it's, um, the Aussies are just going so well. Um, yeah. It's so good to, so good for one that they've gone ahead. Um, obviously with all the, the challenges of last year was always a little bit uncertain as to whether it was going to go ahead. But um, now that it's now that it's on, um, it, it couldn't be any better. Um, yeah. And the, the swimming so far has been a highlight just to to watch the other sports. You forget about them a little bit. You can I can be a little bit um, kind of blinkers on with just swimming and you know AFL football here in Melbourne. So just to be able to watch the gymnastics and you know the hockey and the soccer and the water polo, it's just just awesome just to to sit on the couch all weekend and um absorb it yeah it's exhausting i feel like i've swum every race with them <laughs> i know i know it's um it's emotional isn't it um, yeah and uh, funny enough I, I i was i could have been there um i actually had um flights and accommodation all booked oh. to go last year but obviously with covid um it all it all fell through so um, it would have been amazing to be there. And it's one of the things I said um, after swimming in Beijing that I wanted to try to go to as many Olympics as I could, um, not necessarily to go to the events, but just to be in the city um, when an Olympics is on is just there's an amazing buzz about the place, um, you know, whether you're just going to the city centre and watching it on a big screen and having a, a beer and a hot dog with the Americans and some Japanese and some Ukrainians or whoever it is. It's just this a beautiful time to to celebrate sport um yeah. and, and you know just being healthy and stuff like that so it was disappointing not to be able to go last year but yeah. amazing that it's on and and obviously the news this week with brisbane 32 yeah. um 2032 Same. it's um really exciting that you know that we can start gearing towards that and, and a whole generation can use these Olympics and what Ariana Titmus and the 4x1 girls and Jack McLaughlin in the 400 free have done as yeah. motivation to, to see them through all the way for the next you know, 10, 11 years. Yeah, absolutely. And what's been your favourite race so far? Um, that 4x100 um, freestyle, um, women's 4x100 free, where they broke the world record was pretty incredible. Um, yeah. And then yesterday with Ariana Titmus, that 400 free beating Ledecky, it was just almost like the perfect race um, by yeah. her. So yes. those two have just been amazing. Um, and I also think Brendan Smith to get third yeah. in the 400 medley was an amazing achievement. So I've known Brendan um, for probably by five, six years now. And um, yeah. I knew he was destined to do great things. Um, yeah. He was a real hard worker and, and when he was right up there at the 300 meter mark you know that he was going to really rip in and give it everything he could so to come away with a bronze medal 
Um, yeah. So same as what I got in Beijing. Um, yeah. I know that like it was similar feeling to, to what I had in Beijing that he won a bronze medal, um, you know, and, and that a bronze medal is as good as a gold for him and similar to like what the bronze medal was for me in Beijing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we've sort of skipped ahead and I, I wanted to talk all about <laughs> your time at, at um, in, in Beijing. Um, you obviously came away with the silver and two bronze there. Talk us through that 100 butterfly um, bronze medal because that was just an awesome race. Yeah, it's it's um, quite an iconic race, isn't it? Even when you yeah. go on the um, the Seven Plus app now, it's um, one of the the highlight races that they've got featured from um, from previous um, Olympics. And and yeah. to be involved in that race and um, to to see my name pop up at the end, you know, you see Phelps, then Cabbage, then Lauderstein come up on, <laughs> on the TV screen. It's yeah. quite surreal, to be honest. Um, and almost the race itself was a little bit of an out of body experience um okay. i say that in that i say that in that I, I was just i knew that i could do it um yep. and i had enough belief in myself that i wasn't rattled um and i felt very in control um and then also that i'd prepared so well that when i dived in it came automatically um yep. so there was nothing nothing that i could fear um in the fact that my training had been so good in the lead up that I knew exactly how many kicks I was going to do, how many strokes, when I was going to take my breaths, what it was going to feel like as I came off the wall. Yeah. But all I had to go out there was and just relax and execute. Um, so that was kind of just my race plan was to essentially not try um, or not try too hard and force it um, and yes. just let it happen. So, yeah, the, 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 the race itself, um, probably the highlight was, um, you know, the – hearing Michael Phelps's famous back slap um, when you when you step up onto the block. So when you've got 15,000 people going pretty crazy before a race, um, they blow the whistle for you to get up on the block and then all of a sudden um, it's silent um, yes. and then you get, you're getting ready for the, the take your marks and then you hear the Michael Phelps back slap. Um, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's something you've seen on TV for the last, um, you know, five years and something that, yeah. you know, you, you never thought you'd stand be standing up on the blocks at Olympic final hearing. Um, that's, that's when the nerves really kicked in. Um, yeah. And then luckily, luckily they quickly said take your mark. Boom. And then once, once I was off and racing, it was, um, yeah, it came automatically like what I said um, yeah. before. That must be so intimidating hearing that sound. It is. It is. It's um. It's quite unique because um. You know, everyone has their own little things that they do before their race. Um. You know, the way they put on their goggles and maybe the way they slap their arms or splash some water on themselves. But typically, those things happen before you get up on the block, so it, it doesn't really affect anyone else. Whereas yeah. um. Yeah, Michael's was always that last little last couple of seconds before the race starts and i'm sure it got in the, the head of a lot of swimmers um yeah. that that you know that that was the you know maybe something that he did differently that, that gave him that advantage um and why he was so successful yeah absolutely talk talk us through what what happens in the in the sort of the ready room in the marshalling room before you come out is is um someone like michael phelps sort of going through that in there or are you talking to each other what's happening um, at the Olympics, it's a little bit different um, because you're representing your country and, and typically when you're racing people, it is a little bit more like um, a bit more fun, um, whereas at the Olympics, it's very serious. Um, so you've got your countries, it, it's quite patriotic. So everyone's sitting with their countries and um, you're just focusing on yourself. Um, 
also with the rivalry between uh, Australia and the US, um, there, w- there wasn't a whole lot of love lost in 2008 between the teams. Um, so there wasn't much, you know, high-fiving and backslapping going on between Michael Phelps and I or, you know, even between me and any of the other competitors in the race. Um, everyone kind of focused on what they have to do, um, whether yeah. it's out of nerves or just taking it so seriously that they're just focusing on themselves. So <clears throat> my strategy there was just to have um, some music on for myself um and just and just worry about me um a, a funny story with um with phelps was the the semi-final of the 100 fly so he's just gone out and he went earlier in the night he won a gold medal in the 200 medley um and then so a couple of events later he goes out and does the medal presentation uh, i was in semi-final number one and i was waiting I was in lane three and I was waiting to, in the ready room, we're all standing up waiting for um, the medal presentation to finish and Michael to come and join the the semi-final before he went out. So there he is out on the the podium, um, receives his medal, national anthem, does the lap of honour, then pops into the the marshalling room, quickly changes his tracksuit, puts his um, swimming cap and goggles on, music on, and then the officials go, you're good to go? He goes, yep good to go walks out breaks the olympic breaks the olympic record i remember after i remember after i won a bronze medal in the 100 fly i didn't sleep for a couple of days i was that excited so oh. it was almost like the way the way he was able to manage his um emotions was something that was just so incredible and i guess with that that goal that he had in mind the eight gold medals he wasn't going to stop until he achieved it just kept yes. kept his emotions at bay whereas uh, there i was just um <laughs> like a yo-yo <laughs> i'd be the same i mean an olympic bronze medal is an amazing achievement you must be so proud of that it's wonderful yeah yeah and and even the relay teams that were involved with um so i was in the freestyle relay like what the the boys had um the four by 100 yesterday so i was involved in that relay and we got a yeah. bronze medal <clears throat> to start off the olympics yes so i kind of did a bit of a freestyle and then butterfly a bit later than the medley at the end and and like what the the guys said yesterday it's just that camaraderie and to be racing with like what kyle said friends that you've spent 24 7 with the last you know three or four weeks in the lead up and the training camps and stuff like that and some of the guys i've been racing with since i was 12 or 13 years of age to then be, come all the way through the ranks with them and stand up there at the olympics and race in relays it's um it's a pretty special time yeah it, it just i loved i loved their uh, press conferences afterwards just the camaraderie that they had and they looked just so tight and even the uh the, the aussie girls before they raced the other day the way they were all sitting in a little circle facing each other and everyone else in the marshalling room was looking straight ahead and sitting there not talking to their teammates it's a really lovely yeah. thing that the australian team have sort of been able to get that culture onto the team yeah, I think so. I think they're in a pretty good space at the moment. Um, Rowan Taylor, um, that would be something that he's been really working on as the head coach. Um, and I know that the time that they've spent is maybe a little bit more in these training camps because of COVID, um, so that they have spent more time together. Um, and then obviously, even with that time they're spending together, um, it's almost been in like bubbles. Um, yeah. So typically when you're away, it's like, okay, we'll do our training session in the morning and some people go out shopping or go to the movies. So the team kind of splits up a little bit and just kind of keeping your week a little bit more regular whereas yeah. when they were in Cairns before they went to Tokyo um, my understanding is they were in a bubble so a li- little bit more time spent together um, and obviously that's when you're you're forming relationships and bonds and and it's like with anything you you become better friends with someone the more 
you have in common and the more stories that you have together mm. and the more time together. So with all that time, then they get to they get to Tokyo together and they're kind of invincible. Um, and they and like what we've seen is they're they're best friends. Yeah, I'm really interested in the um the sort of the lead up to your race in terms of your training with your hundred butterfly. How how many weeks or days did you need for your taper? Oh well, leading into um. The Olympics, I actually had some shoulder problems. <clears throat> um, so I, I, I typically was doing like a three-week taper. Um, right. So that we, I did a little bit of a taper on the Gold Coast. Um, but what I was doing every Saturday, probably from 10 weeks out, every Saturday morning, I would do a 100 freestyle time trial and a 100 butterfly time trial at the end of a hard session. Right. And so I did that for 10 weeks. And then um, kind of the idea with that was to get a little bit faster each week um, and then as you freshen up in your taper in Kuala Lumpur which is where we were for the staging camp do a really really good hit out because the the training session beforehand was a little bit less the week of training in the lead up to that time trial was a little bit less so you're a little bit fresher and then and then kind of go from Kuala Lumpur to Beijing take a really nice easy week and then um, hit the the seven day competition or eight day competition like we had so typically a three week taper but I was doing yeah that that time trials but with my with my shoulder in Kuala Lumpur I even had almost like um what do they call it like a, a sped up taper because I need to get I got a cortisone injection in my shoulder um, oh, okay. before we left yeah before we left Kuala Lumpur to go into to um, Beijing which meant kind of I had to have a couple of days completely out of the water and sometimes that's that can like really let your body rest and recover um, and then you jump back in the water feeling nice and fresh so yeah that typically three weeks and then I had a little a three-day super rest in the middle as well yeah, that sounds nice. What, yeah. what, was, what was the shoulder injury? Just a, uh, just a over, yeah, just overuse. Um, so I went growing up. I played played baseball. Um, I, I played water polo, and then obviously did lots of swimming. So my poor right shoulder got a lot of um, that ro- forward rotation movement. So when I, I so it was more just to to like um, to. Give, give me a bit of um, relief on the shoulder. Um, and then once I got back from Beijing, I had it um, just cleaned out. So they went in there and they had a look at my shoulder and they said it looked like a, a 90-year-old's shoulder, not a 21-year-old's from the amount of use it's had. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of swimmers <laughs> would have that sort of issue as well. I don't think Correct. I'd like to have an MRI of my own shoulders. That wouldn't be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You mentioned all the sports you played as a youngster. What what made you choose swimming in the end? Yeah, so gr- growing up, I played um, a footy, baseball, did life saving down at Black Rock, um, and then yeah, water polo, baseball. Um, I guess like I, I love them all, um, and I love being involved in a team, um, and obviously being a part of the Australian swim team. Team is something that was really important, but um, I think it was the fact that. Um, swimming is quite an individual sport um and also your results are dictated by the time um so you know you put in a really good preparation and lots of hard work and make the right choices and then you stand up on the block and you execute a good race and you get given a time that's that time is the testament to kind of the the hard work that you put in um and you can't lie um you can't lie to the stopwatch um so 
I, I liked being rewarded for my hard work um, and I liked to see improvement for myself, whereas I found in kind of those team sports, it was a little bit harder <clears throat> to maybe see how my improvement was tracking yeah. um, because, you know, like if I, maybe if I had, I was really fit, but I gave off the handball and someone missed the goal, um, we still would lose. Whereas I would like to be in control. So it was almost me being a bit of a control freak. Um, but then also, also what happens with swimming is it, <clears throat> it starts to take over. You start to make a few touring teams. And I went to a trans Tasman um, event, um, when I was 13 years of age in New Zealand and then I went, I started traveling around and being presented with lots of these opportunities, um, training camps and being exposed to the likes of Michael Klim and Ian Thorpe and stuff like that. It just, it's, it's kind of, um, addictive, um, and just yeah. makes you want to just keep doing what you're doing because you're loving the opportunities, you're loving the improvement and everything involved with the hard work and discipline um, is something that was attractive for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you went to a few other world championships as well. Um, first one in, in Melbourne. What was that like being in your hometown? Amazing, amazing. Yeah. We're pretty lucky, um, 2006, to have the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne and then um, 2007 to have the World Championships in Rod Laver Arena, um, which yeah. is where they play the, the Australian Open. So that was a pretty amazing time. Um, I, I was still really young then, so growing up in Melbourne, um, I, I, moved, I, I went to Brighton Grammar in Melbourne and then I moved to the Gold Coast as soon as I finished school. So that was in 2005. So then for my, my next two teams on the, the national team to be in Melbourne in the Com Games and then the World Champs was pretty lucky. Um, that, that it was just it's just amazing. The the crowds were phenomenal. Um, I, I still can't remember a louder crowd than um, at the Commonwealth Games in Melbourne. The um, they had this huge scaffolding um, stadium, uh, you know, the outdoor pool at MSAC. It's really only got the 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 permanent stand on the one side. So they built these huge scaffolding stands on the other side. And yeah. when, any any time the the crowd even got a hint of seeing an Australian walking on pool deck, they would just start like tapping their feet <laughs> on the ground, and it sounded like thunder every single time someone came out. Um, yeah, that was pretty incredible. And then and in two thousand and seven, we we're lucky enough to um, win the four by one hundred medley relay um, in front of a home crowd. So the favourite team, the Americans, got disqualified um, in the heats. So um, they were they were pretty they were the hot favourites. I think they had world record holders in all four of the strokes so they were going to be pretty wow. hard to beat but we were lucky enough that they had a bit of a mishap in the heats and uh, made the most of the opportunity in the final and um, that was something I'll never forget. Yeah that's amazing yeah I went along to one of the sessions at Rod Laver it was amazing that little sort of fishbowl feel where all the energy is coming right in on top of the pool um, yeah a, a great meet. The, 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 the chair the, the like the when you're on pool deck, sometimes the, the crowd feels a little bit more removed, you know, like there's a couple of metre gap, but at that pool, the crowd was right on top of the pool. It was quite special. Yeah. And you swam a few years after that and retired in 2012. Why why did you uh, retire? Like what, was, what, um, what led you to that? I wasn't swimming that well anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and probably hadn't been for, for two years almost. So in 2008, I, um, 
I won the, the medals at the Olympics. Um, 2009, I moved from the Gold Coast to Sydney um, and changed um, training squads and started tra- training at the, the New South Wales Institute of Sport and almost in like a high performance program um, yeah. with Libby Trickett, Eamon Sullivan, Jeff Hugel, Matt Abood. Um, and and we, we had some, we were presented with some really great opportunities. Yeah. Um, we we travelled Europe for four months and trained and lived over there. Um, so went to lots of different meets in Barcelona, Milan, um, Sweden, Denmark, um, and just th- that experience that I had over there was amazing. Um, and that was 2009. Then 2010 was the Commonwealth Games, um, and that was one that I really had targeted to um, to kind of win um obviously coming third at the olympics is great but winning a gold medal for australia is something that i really wanted to achieve um and kind of just gave everything to that preparation but almost in the detriment to myself probably didn't recover enough um and then when i got to delhi um in india got sick um and didn't get to yeah didn't get to race my two main events the 50 fly and the 100 fly because i was sick the whole time so Having to have that set back um, was pretty challenging for me. Um, and then off the back of that, from 2010 to 2012, I didn't swim well once, um, which, which gets pretty hard. Yeah, so I yeah. I ended up missing the team in 2011 for the World Championships and then moving back to Melbourne just to try to um, rest and recover a little bit at home. Um, I was kind of finding maybe living in Sydney a bit stressful as far as money and the traffic and the travel and stuff like that. So just removing a couple of those things that I could control maybe was going to help my recovery a little bit more. So I moved back home with mum and dad just to give it one last hit out before the Olympic trials um, for London um, and and felt like I had a really good um, preparation and just went to Adelaide for the Olympic trials and just didn't do that well um, and then just kind of stopped training. Um, no, I didn't make any, yeah, didn't make any formal retirements or anything like that, but just, um, I just knew it was time. Um, at the time I'd been doing probably, I'd been working at engine for probably six, eight months part time and just felt like it was, I was 25 years of age. It was time to just, um, to move into the next phase of life. Yeah. That's interesting. And you said you mentioned you you mentioned working at Engine. How did it come about that you ended up becoming partners in that business? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I, way back when I was 13 years of age, um, I was the first Engine athlete. Um, so oh, really? Sponsored. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Toby, who's the Toby Hainan, who's the founder of Engine, um, was best mates with my coach. Right. Um, Glenn Baker. So I was with the same coach from 12 until 21. And so Toby Hainan came to the King Club where I was training with um, Glenn Baker. And um, Toby comes and goes, Hey, Glenn, I want to sponsor, um, you know, one of the best swimmers in Australia. And um, Glenn goes, Okay. Um, and Toby goes, Oh, who is it? And um, <laughs> Glenn goes, Oh, that guy there in the water. Um, <laughs> and, and, Andrew and Toby's like, no, nah, no, nah, not your best swimmer, Glenn. I want the best swimmer in Australia. And he goes, yeah, that guy. <laughs> so that, uh, so I've been, yeah, that, and then and then so from there, I've kind of that started off with engine. Just started with goggles. 
Um, yes. So it was engine eyewear initially and then started to build um, kind of the inventory over time. Um, and, yeah, and then since 2012, the kind of the brands become a little bit more um, mature in what we're doing um, as, far as, as far as our product offering and doing team wear and performance suits and stuff like that. And, yeah, in hindsight, that's what's that, like nine years ago now. Yeah. Um, time flies, doesn't it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we're in a really good position here and I love, I love coming to work every day and, and just still to be involved in the sport that I love so much, um, the sport yeah. of swimming and then also heavily involved in surf lifesaving. It's, um, yeah, pretty lucky to have had the opportunity to transition so nicely. Yeah. Is um, Engine available all around the world or is it mainly an Australian swimmer company? Yeah. Yeah, we ship worldwide and we've got a couple of distributors in New Zealand, um, Japan, over in Europe, um, America a little bit, um, but shipping yep. to America is not too bad at the moment. Um, we, we have actually one of your guests, Rock Santos. Um, oh, he actually right. works. Yeah, he actually, um, when I first started in 2012, was um, he worked for Engine as well. So he okay. tried to get the, get the brand into the US a little bit, um, yep. but the US is pretty um pretty competitive um and yeah. you know you've got some big brands over there who have a bit of a stranglehold on the market but um yeah. yeah it was great to work with rock and get a bit of an understanding how the u.s works and yeah, yeah it's it's chipping along nicely yeah that's that's awesome yeah i i use your goggles in the ocean they're they're great <laughs> oh good to hear <laughs> and so when, when you had this this time when you retired from swimming and you, you were doing the engine, you did a lot of um, other fitness activities of the CrossFit Games. What's that all yeah. about? How did you get involved in that? Yeah, so as soon as I finished swimming, um, I just had to do something. I knew that um, that was always a big part of my life, having goals and something to work towards. Um, so as soon as I finished swimming, literally the easiest thing I could do was put on a pair of shoes and start running. Yeah. I like the idea of walking out the front of my house and being able to run left and then run back and that'd be 10K and it'd be done. So that was kind yeah. of the, you know, when you get when you get to the, the end of your swimming career, um, some of the hardest things can be kind of the recovery sessions. You know, you drive 30 minutes to get to a pool, you stretch for 30 minutes, you maybe swim for 45 minutes and then you come home and it's like, I really just spent three and a half, four hours just to do a kilometre, 1,500 metres in the pool. That seems a bit crazy. So I liked what I liked was the hard work um, and I liked being able to do things efficiently. So start, I started off just running um, and then so I did a half marathon with kind of within two months of retiring from swimming and then did a marathon the following year. Um, and then after doing the marathon, I had a mate who contacted me and said, oh, Andrew, you should come and try CrossFit. I reckon you'd really like it. Um, yeah. So I went along with him and um, went to the first session and was kind of addicted from there. Um, right. I liked I liked what which was different to swimming was <clears throat> the range of um, skills um, yep. and strength work that you could look to improve. Obviously, with swimming, you had the one goal, and that was to improve how fast you could do a certain amount of laps in the pool of a particular stroke. Whereas in CrossFit, it was like, yeah, cool. One day I can work on my pull-ups. I can work on my handstand walking, my handstand push-ups, some rowing and some Olympic lifting. And it was all new and foreign to me. Um, yeah. And every time I got back 
I went back to the gym, I was kind of improving. So again, completely different to the last two years of my swimming. It was quite rewarding and I just loved it. And um, I kept going back and and knowing me, I get quite competitive with things quite quickly. So (laughs) before I knew it, I was doing competitions and I was part of different teams and we're traveling around Australia, we're traveling around Australia competing. And um, our team ended up winning um, the equivalent of nationals for CrossFit. Um, Our our gym in our gym in Caulfield's called Schwartz CrossFit Melbourne. And um, yeah, we ended up going to the World CrossFit Games in California, um, representing Australia and um, in CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to, that was in, I think, 2016 or 2015. So I got to um, stand up there and compete against who is like the the greatest of all time in CrossFit. His name's Rich Froning. Um, So for anyone who's out there that knows Rich Froning, I I did a a swim workout against him and a running workout against him. And yeah, that was pretty cool to to transition, not only in my work, but to keep some physical stuff going as well. Um, Yeah, but knowing me, I I take it pretty, go pretty hard at it. What what is that? What is involved in the competition of CrossFit? How does that work? Well, the the tricky part is you don't really know. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, you don't know what the events are going to be. Um, so oh. the idea is that you're good at everything before you turn up. Okay. So uh, it'd be it'd be like turning up to a swim meet. Um, and you've prepared all four strokes. So you, you've kind of got a bit of an understanding of what um, the disciplines might be. So, you know, there might be some Olympic lifting, some gymnastics and some kind of aerobic kind of fitness, yeah. but you don't know how it's going to be pieced together or how long the event may be. So it, maybe you turn up to a swim meet and they go, all right, today we're going to do um, 20 burpees and then 100 fly. Then you're going to go 20 pull-ups and then we're going to go a 200 freestyle and you're going to do that for time. Um, so that's kind of what CrossFit right. is. It's kind of who, who can do uh, a certain exercise normally the fastest or the right. heaviest, if that makes okay. sense. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard about it. I haven't sort of investigated the competition of CrossFit. So that's really interesting. So they, mm. they, they want to find out exactly what you can do with your body obviously in any sort yeah. of form any sort of sphere. correct yeah okay. correct so you might even turn so typically there's like maybe six to ten events when you turn up on a weekend and yeah. one may test your aerobic endurance so it might just be like a two kilometer row for time or a, a yeah. five kilometer run and then they then they piece in some olympic lifting so like like what we see at the olympics like with a snatch or a clean and jerk and typically they do those with more higher reps um, and then there's going to be some gymnastics work. So that might be some like uh, handstand walking or ring muscle ups or um, handstand push ups. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's really, it's uh, like for me, it was the perfect thing to transition into, which was yeah. like I got to improve and really push my body. But then as I got a little bit older, um, I kind of, now I don't, I, I still do similar style of gym training. I still really love gym training, but yeah. the idea with CrossFit was to push yourself to maximum exertion like every time. Right. And so every time you'd finish your workout, you'd be on the back, like sweating <laughs> and puffing. Like, oh, that yeah. was just so hard. Whereas <laughs> yeah. now, um, with, with my life now, I don't like to go quite as hard as often. Um, yes. I've, I've, I, I don't have my foot on the accelerator with everything <laughs> I'm doing. So I've kind of stripped it back a little bit and just doing 
more um, more strength training and and being a little bit more specific to to stuff I'm trying to do in the pool now as well. I've started swimming a little bit, which is um, yeah. a joy to be back in the pool. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. What made you get back in at 34? Um, to be honest, just uh, opportunity um, yeah. more than anything. Um, yeah. I think with with life it's it's really important to do um exercise that's convenient for you as well um yep. and i think when you're you're kind of working full time or you're you've got kids and you're running people around it's important to be exercising but it shouldn't be at the detriment you shouldn't have to sacrifice too much to make it work um and for me now um we've just taken over running the pool at, at mentone grammar um so it's a, a learn to swim and squad programs um called mentone aquatic um yep. and so for the first the first six months of that new business i was kind of the head coach of all of the squad programs which right. meant i was standing on pool deck um and it also meant that there was water for me to swim in after um after i'd coached so therefore i jumped in and just started swimming um and to my surprise i would do a couple of 50s and look at the time it's like oh I'm actually swimming quite fast here yeah. <laughs> so again that that cycle of oh i'm doing quite well how about i do a competition um and then one thing leads to another and i'm bloody winning the state championships for 50 <laughs> freestyle which was a bit of a surprise and then and then when i went to nationals and and was just racing but i think i'm just actually just enjoying the process of being back in the water um yeah. more so than the actual racing and I, I said right from the start that even if i i had done my first 50 freestyle and not won or not got you know, the time that I did, I still would have been doing it just because of how enjoyable the process was. And I'd forgotten, you know, what it feels like to wake up in the morning, the day of a swim meet and to be a bit nervous and not be not too sure about how much milk I want to put on my cereal because I'm not sure how upset my guts are going to get, you know, those, yeah. those butterflies, you know, they, they, it's quite a nice feeling. And then even getting to the pool and, you know, doing a bit of stretching and doing a warm up and jumping around and practicing your dives was all, all that process stuff was way more enjoyable than doing yeah. the 50 freestyle itself. And, and that's how I felt when I went to nationals as well. And that's why I wanted, I was really keen to go to Olympic trials, but obviously with COVID couldn't get in there but i just loved you know the sport of swimming again um yeah and yeah so i'll just i'm just going to keep turning up and and doing it for fun and there'll be some times where I, I do a good preparation um i'm sure and there'll be other times where i'm underdone and haven't done any swimming just based on you know life and i think that's that's okay yeah i think you've just um hit the nail on the head with you know a lot of master swimmers have that sort of feeling where they may have swum when they were kids and they initially got into swimming because they enjoyed it like you said and become so serious mm. sometimes even though you you lose that sort of wonder about it you know that that sort of fresh face joy and i think when you come back to it when you're a bit older you really appreciate those those sort of feelings from when you're younger and i think that's most master yeah. swimmers have that kind of feeling where they they just enjoy swimming and and competing is great but they love the the camaraderie and the and the training that goes along with it and i think that's exactly you, just um you sort of encapsulated that with what you've said yeah, it's it's true that there is a really nice social aspect to swimming, um, and and the feeling that you have in the water, I think, is really great as well. Um, yeah. And I think the trickiest thing for me now is just going to be managing expectation. 
um, yeah. which, you know, you've learned, you know, the whole swimming world is geared around performance. Um, and when you're not performing, like what I did in swimming, you just stop. Um, whereas yeah. I, I don't think it needs to be like that. And more yeah. people need to be encouraged just to turn up and have a swim um, and that and have a race. And that'd be more like, you know, you see there's still guys that are playing cricket. There's still guys that are playing yeah. AFL footy. There's still all of these other sports are still going with people managing their expectation. And, and it's more that the age bracket, you know, that I've just come through from 25 to 35 where there's literally no one swimming. Um, yes. And it kind of is, is an area that I think can be improved by just managing people's expectation and bringing it back to a bit of fun and enjoyment about the process, not the yeah. result. And with you, with the training that you're doing now, as opposed to what you were doing, how obviously you at a lower volume, but has the actual things in the pool changed? Have you changed the amount of distance that you're doing? Yeah, I would be doing a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, but I, I, now that we've got a we've got a head coach in place, I can not be the coach and I can jump in with the squad now, which is quite fun. Um so I might do might do three sessions a week. Um Monday morning I like to do, which is a little bit longer, so that might be like 4 or 5k. And then I'll do the quality session on on Thursday morning and then maybe just have a swim in the bay um, or a swim by myself on the weekend. So probably not more than any like three times a week, but just, yeah, again, going for enjoyment. I like I like the idea of doing longer, shorter rest type stuff. I love the, the quality, higher lactate, higher heart rate, a bit more intensity. And then also I still like that's something that I've gravitated a little bit more towards is those, those swims in the bay um, and open water yeah. swimming. Um, I love every year to do the Portsea Swim Classic, the Mad Swim, and I've, I've done the whole circuit um, a couple of times. So just going out there, and that's that's a really a, a sense of being free um, and being like nice and open in the water, and I love that. So I think that little combination is is going to work for me, and that's something I, I think longevity. Um, I know Rock spoke about bro- breaking all the world records from ninety from the ninety years to a hundred years <laughs> age group. So maybe I'll have to. I'm a couple of years younger than Rock, so maybe I come through when I'm ninety um, and break all his take all his world records. records. So, <laughs> Yeah. exactly exactly so i think it's something like that it, it, it's like yeah it's great to be thinking about this year but you know what does swimming look like to me in when i'm 50 60 70 um and i don't want to be burnt out again because yeah. i know how much fun it can bring so it's just just yeah. doing the kind of the mi- minimum minimal effective dose at the moment i think is my little strategy yeah and what what would be your sort of go-to set at the moment that you would enjoy Obviously, you like the the short rest type stuff. What what yeah. that you would uh, recommend for people? <clears throat> um, what did we do? Well, we've been doing well. Josh Beaver's our coach, so Josh swam um, at the the Rio Olympics in the hundred and two hundred backstroke, um, yeah. and and he's it's it's actually nice to to jump in and not be the dictator and be dictated to so see what's written on the whiteboard and just do it um that's something that's quite nice um opposed to to writing all the programs so every thursday morning we've been doing broken 200s um so it started a little bit similar to like what i was talking about with um that racing every week um nine weeks out from the competition we did nine 200s broken then eight seven six five four three two and then you race the following week so the broken 200s have been quite quite challenging um so yeah. they've been 
broken up a little bit differently. So the first one would be a hundred and a fifty and a fifty. The next one would be fifty hundred fifty. And then the last couple would be 50, 50, 50, 50. Um, and so that, that's, that's all about learning how to pace and kind of push through a little bit of fatigue. Um, and I think it's kind of nice, like, for me to not go that, that completely top-end sprint stuff, that more, yeah. like, comfortable 200 pace is, is more enjoyable for me to do at training. Um, yeah. And, yeah, that, that's been working quite well. Yeah. What kind of time rest would you be having there? Um, so we've been doing those, the 50s on the 50 time cycle and the 100s are on the 130. So we are swimming short course. So I'm, I'm aiming to, to like when you add all the times together to be around um, 154. Yep. So holding around 28-ish for my 50s. Yep. Um, yeah. And so a bit of a shortish rest. Um, and But we're lucky we, we can take up, we've got the whole pool of a morning. So okay. we kind of have, yep. we have six six lanes who go head to head racing and then two lanes that do just swim off in between and we go one wave at a time. So right. it's pretty it's pretty cool. And we I've, I've, every Thursday morning, I've been drumming up a few of my mates um, yep. to come along and swim. So um, Reese Mainstone, who just got in, who's a, a is represented Australian open water swimming. Toby Hainan comes in and swim. Um, a mate of mine, Brent Skadudis, comes along. So there's a couple of more guys that, you know, 30 plus who step up and um, just push themselves. And it's it's quite interesting to see the um, you know, how hard we can still go, or, yeah. or kind of more more so the disciplines that we put in place as like young kids still yes. kind of roll over to now when we step up and and not necessarily compete against each other but just push each other to get the most out of ourselves it's it's something that um you know the kids that are in the squad we're almost able to do it better than them just based on us having done that for years and they can look at us and and that's why I wanted to get these older guys along to set an example of like, hey, we're in our mid-30s. We shouldn't be pushing ourselves this hard, but we do because yeah. this is a habit habit that we've got and we know how to get the most out of it ourselves. So have a look at us and how hard we're working and, yeah. and you guys should be doing the same thing. Yeah, I think that's great <laughs> for them to see. Yeah. I mean, also you've stayed very fit, which is sort of one of the reasons I suppose that it's been um, more of an easy transition to get back into the water for you. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty lucky. I'm, yeah. I've all, I've all, like, I, I don't, I just actually like it. Um, yeah. Whatever it is, I, I like keeping fit, whether it's swimming, running, gym. Um, I just love it. Um, and, and yeah, it touched on a little bit before, like the amount of gym that I've done. Well, yeah. Now that I'm swimming, I feel a different connection in the water. I feel more of a connection through my core than maybe I did when I was um, swimming 10 years ago. And, yeah. you know, in hindsight, the, the amount that I know about um, training and energy systems and gym training and stuff like that, I wish I could apply some of that or even recovery protocols yeah. as well, apply some really? of that stuff to when I was um, a little bit younger and just a go-getter. Yeah. Well, I think when you're younger too, you just, as you say, you go to the pool and you just do the the session that's up on the board. You don't question it. You don't think about it. You know, yeah. obviously you took your swimming to a, a pretty high level, so you would have had some more of an understanding. But I feel like I was just a blind sort of follower of, of sessions that my coach wrote on the board. And I didn't think about any of those things till I was much older and understood, as yeah. you say. Yeah. There's, 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 um, it's almost a two-way street, though, I think, sometimes. There, there's something 
to be said about that blind trust and being naive in in what you're really doing um, and trusting your coach that what they're putting on the whiteboard is the right thing for you um, because, you know, you can get to a stage where you're questioning just too much um, yeah. and, and yeah. maybe you're, overthink, you're, overthink, you're overthinking everything. So it's, it's really treading this fine line between the trusting in, in the team that you've built to get your best performance and having almost just knowing your body um, when your body needs to have a rest because at some stage you are supposed to be tired, you are supposed to be beaten up a little bit and then yeah. you recover and then you're supposed to swim good. But if you're always yeah. just over-monitoring yourself um, and you're a bit scared to, to put yourself in a hole because because you're yeah. overthinking, um, you may not be able to get that that really high peak at the end. So, yeah, yeah it's a it's a it's a tricky balance because you know that I, I think that I maybe got a little bit too smart at the end of my swimming or overthought a bit too much, um, and that was to my detriment. And that was in in the way that I pro- approached races um, and the way that I stood up on the block. And the, you know, I was just everything. I was a little bit too anal and. Um, yeah, I just wouldn't let it flow. When I was a young kid, it was just, nah, I'll just go out there and, you know, I'll go out fast and come back faster, almost okay. that type of a race plan. Um, yeah. Whereas when you're, you're over-strategizing and you tense up just that little bit, you know, that yes. 1% over a 100-metre or 200-metre race, that adds up to being the difference of, of winning and or, or swimming a PB and not, you know. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. With your um your fifty fly and free that you just did recently, how close were those times to your original times? <laughs> uh, the fifty free was quite close. So yeah, I went twenty. I went twenty two seven um wow. at state championships, and I think I, I very rarely went under twenty three when I was swimming um like professionally. Um, my fastest time in a super suit was twenty two two, so I was half a right. second off that. Wow. Yeah. So, so that, that's that's really close amazing. To a yeah. Yeah, close to very close to a PB. Yeah. <laughs> I think you need to do some masters competitions so that you can get some world records. <laughs> I know. Well, I've got another guy who comes on Thursdays, Tyson Young. Um, he right. swims at PowerPoints and um he he's he's just started to float that idea to me a little bit more about the masters um racing. But you just see, you know, even at the Australian Olympic trials, you had Matt Target who um made the yeah. final in the 53 and he's a couple of years older than me. And then even leading off the the relay team for Canada was Brent Hayden and he's 37 yes. and, yeah. and he went 40 47 8 or something ridiculous mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, my <clears throat> age is just a number um Definitely. really. Um, yeah. And and the way things are moving now, you know, Brent Hayden's just have got amazing technique. I think he swam, he won the world championships in Melbourne two thousand and seven in the hundred free, uh, in 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 the same time um, as what he swam that lead off leg in the freestyle relay. So just amazing that you know whatever that is, fourteen years later, he's still yeah. swimming the same time. Uh, and that just comes down to you know technique, that fitness, and just and and age being a number, and and it, that's that extra strength you can have. Like I just feel you kind of I don't know a bit of man strength when you're over yeah. thirty. Yes, yeah, <laughs> you, get a, sure. you, you get a little bit heavier, and it's just like you know you know when when you're young, you shape your dad's hand you're like wow you're like a man you know like (laughs) i'm becoming a bit more like that now (laughs) man hands right (laughs) yeah yeah um and have you got any um predictions for the rest of the swimming at the olympics i'm really looking forward to the mixed medley relay um and seeing what how like you know for a new olympic event how 
all of the countries, you know, strategize and who what, what legs they swim the males and the females in. That'll be exciting. Um, the men's hundred free is really hard to not get excited about to see yes. Caleb Dressel, um, Kyle Chalmers, and then the the new young guy on the scene, Popovici. So that'll be yeah. an exciting race. Um, who else am I looking forward to? I reckon Ariana's going to win the 200 free. So for her to win the yeah. 200, the 400 right there. Mm. Yeah. I, and I, I can't go past the 100 fly as well. I've had a little bit to do with Matthew Temple um, over over his journey and to see yeah. him go 50.4 and break my Australian record at, at, um, at Olympic trials was was pretty amazing. Um, I kind of sent him a message the day before. I just said, "Good, good luck, mate. Now's the time to go to go break the record." Um, and couldn't be more yeah. proud of him. Um, met his parents at the Swimming Victoria Awards dinner, and they're really nice um, people. And um, I think he's got a really good opportunity to stand up there and surprise a few people. Um, it's yeah. going to be a tough ask to beat to beat Dressel, who goes forty nine five for a hundred fly. But to, yeah. to step up on the podium and and keep that tradition alive, you know, there was myself and Michael Klim and Jeff Hugel. Um, who have all been on the podium over the over the journey uh, or over the last kind of twenty years, and for him to step up um, in, and do it in Tokyo would be would be amazing. Would be amazing. Yeah, I hope he mm. does that. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, he, he did a really good um, lead off in the 4 by 100 so he went 48-0. So that's a good indication yeah. that he's swimming nice and fast um, yeah. and is in a good position. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us an insight into your swimming journey. It's been lovely to um, to meet you and hear all about it and um, wishing you every success for your future master swimming. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. I'm sure I'll see you at a pool shortly. Yeah, very much so. Okay, take care and enjoy the rest of the Olympics. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast with Andrew. We've got some really interesting swimmers coming up in the next few weeks as well. So don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to um, one of our fans, Aussie Swim Coach, who sent me some lovely feedback during the week. So love to hear from all our listeners. Keep it coming. You can leave us a review or you can send us um, a DM on Instagram or um, on our Facebook Messenger. And till next time, happy swimming. And bye.